Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Father Greg. Today we have a homily for Sunday, January 15th, 2023, which is the second Sunday after Epiphany. Let's begin our time together with a reading from John's Gospel. John writes, The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was born before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. Andrew brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of Christ. May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week, a very spontaneous conversation erupted right before church began. We began chatting about the various symbols that are used around the worship space. There was one banner in particular that contained images of a cross, a shell, and a dove, and we took a few moments to talk about the theological concepts that those images communicate. All around our church buildings, things like stained glass windows, banners, vestments, and even pieces of furniture use symbols instead of words to communicate profound concepts of our faith. The use of symbols as a method of communication doesn't just happen inside our church building. It's everywhere. Today our gospel reading opens with a very clear declaration about who John the Baptist thought that Jesus was. We're told that when John saw Jesus coming toward him, he declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John goes on to say, And I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. 
In Judaism, the lamb is a very symbolic animal. At the first Passover, while the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt, God instructed Israelite families to sacrifice an unblemished one-year-old lamb, eat the meat, and put its blood on their doorposts. This would be a symbol of their obedience and a sign that spared them from destruction. Those who obeyed were eventually freed from their Egyptian captivity. When John the Baptist referred to Jesus as the Lamb of God, he was drawing a parallel between that first Passover and the sacrificial work of God's Son, Jesus. John was saying that people could escape spiritual death through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We read that the very next day, John and Jesus had another encounter. John was standing with two of his followers. Seeing Jesus, John turned to his two disciples and described Jesus once again using that sacrificial Passover term, the Lamb of God. John's two followers left him and began following Jesus. Did you notice how Jesus responded to these two individuals? He asks them what they are looking for. It might sound like an innocent question, but the simple question runs a lot deeper than it appears on the surface. In John's Gospel, Jesus' story begins with a question. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? What do you need? It's a question that we all wrestle with at some level. Whether as individuals, as congregations, as communities, we are all trying to answer some very fundamental questions. What are you seeking? What motivates you? What is it that you really need, not just on the surface, but deep down in the core of who you are as a person? What are you looking for? The disciples reply by asking Jesus where he is staying. At first glance, it sounds like the disciples are evading what might be an overly personal or direct question. When we read this text in English, there is something important lost in translation. The word that we read as staying can also mean abide, remain, endure, continue, or to dwell in the sense of permanence or stability. These two would-be disciples are asking Jesus questions of permanence. They are asking him a down-deep kind of question about who he is and what his purpose is. They are asking him a question of purpose and intensity. It's the difference between asking someone, how's it going, and how are you really doing? Jesus responds by inviting them along for what amounts to the world's greatest road trip. He simply says, come and see. And so begins an adventure that would change their lives and the history of the world. They had front row seats as God, in human flesh, engaged the world in new ways, offering people a new way of engaging God and living with each other. We're told that one of the two men was Andrew. Once he accepted Jesus' invitation, he brought his brother Simon Peter along. 
While we don't hear too much more about Andrew, his brother Peter would form part of Jesus' inner circle. So what does this story have for you and I today? There is something important in the relationship between the four characters in this story. We have John the Baptist, Jesus, and two of John's disciples who would eventually become followers of Jesus. While they were each unique individuals, they all had important roles to play. John lived his life as an outspoken critic of the religious establishment. John was also very clear that Jesus was the Son of God and God's anointed Messiah. He spent his life shining a spotlight on the person and role of Jesus Christ, directing others into relationship with Jesus. This included two of John's own disciples who would eventually become followers of Jesus and invite others to join them. Very few of us are called to live in the desert like John, nor are many of us fishermen like Andrew and Peter. But we each must decide for ourselves what we believe about this person, Jesus. Later on, Andrew's brother, Peter, would write the New Testament letters that bear his name. In them, he would encourage his readers with these words. Do not fear what others fear, and do not be intimidated. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Jesus invited Andrew and his friends to examine what they were looking for in life and to follow him if they wanted to find a deeper meaning. Andrew relayed that invitation to his brother Peter. Peter accepted and learned the importance of being able to articulate why he had done so. At the core of this story lies an invitation to come and see who Jesus really is. We are all coming from different places with different life experiences. None of us are called to be John the Baptist, Andrew, or Simon Peter. We are simply invited to explore what it means to be ourselves in relationship to who God is. So the first thing that this story has for us is an invitation to come and take a closer look at who Jesus is and what Jesus teaches. When Andrew and Peter accepted Jesus' invitation, they had not reached a destination yet. Their journey had only begun. As they continued to follow Jesus, their understanding of him and of his work would only deepen and grow. The same is true for you and I. Becoming followers of Jesus Christ is only the beginning of the story and not the end. The second thing this story asks of us is to tell others what we find. I'm talking about the power of personal invitation. We see that modeled when John the Baptist pointed people to Jesus. We see the power of invitation when Jesus asked John's two disciples to join him. We see the power of invitation when Andrew accepted Jesus' invitation and then invited Peter to join them. This theme continued throughout Jesus' public ministry and beyond. When Matthew records Jesus' last words to his disciples, 
we hear Jesus telling his followers to go out and to teach others just as he had taught them. Just as they had been made Jesus' followers, they were instructed to go out and invite others to become Jesus' followers too. That instruction passed from Jesus to his first generation of disciples, and it has been passed down through 2,000 years of history to you and I. Throughout centuries of Christianity, the one element that has consistently led to the growth of more religious communities than anything else is the power of personal invitation. May we learn to be the kind of people and the kind of community that invites others to encounter God, and may that invitation become irresistible. Amen. Oh,